0: No, no, I drove him away. <laughs> and I'm gonna be 40. <laughs> when? Someday.
1: In
2: eight years.
0: But it's there. Hello
2: and welcome to 80s Movie Montage. This is Derek.
0: And this is Anna.
2: 40. Can you imagine?
0: <laughs> That's, uh, it's, wow. It's Yeah, I mean, it's like on your deathbed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh yeah, I mean this is oh okay, so the movie. Yeah, that was we haven't, we haven't that mentioned was, uh, the
2: movie yet. Sally talking to Harry in, in when, when Harry, Harry met, met Sally. Sally.
0: Wow. We've never done that before. No. <laughs> so that is our movie for today. And yeah, I mean, we uh this is gosh, probably one of the more iconic rom coms that came out of the eighties.
2: Yeah, I think in in some ways it got a lot of notoriety because of that scene. Not the scene that we just played, but if you've ever seen the movie, you know what scene I'm the talking about. The deli scene. The deli scene, yeah. Uh,
0: I'll Have What She's Having scene.
2: Yeah, that scene became bigger than the movie in the same way that um, the boombox scene became bigger than Say Anything.
0: It is an appropriate comparison, I would say. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, it just snuck in, just snuck into the 80s, 1989. Yeah. And so let's get started. Let's dive in because I definitely want to get to our super awesome conversation with our special guest. Yeah. Okay like I mentioned 1989 and what is very special about this film is the screenwriter of it I mean there's a lot of things that make this film very special but what's
2: most special
0: (laughs) is in in you know my personal opinion one of the special things about it is that it was written by Nora Ephron who she's no longer with us that was uh that was a tough pill to swallow when I learned that she had passed away that was already I think like 2012. In any case she was a prolific and amazing writer. She definitely had her fair share of hits uh, in screenwriting but she was so much more than a screenwriter. She started out as Uh, like a journalist did a lot of like magazine pieces newspaper pieces she was a novelist Uh, one of her novels was actually adapted into a screenplay and became the film heartburn oh yeah so I mean maybe at some point we'll cover that Uh, but in any case so yes Nora Ephron is the writer of this so she did and our uh, guest Sonal brings this up as well that she actually got an Oscar nomination for best original screenplay for this very movie So,
2: Deservedly so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So among some of her other screenwriting credits, Silkwood, for which she got another Oscar nomination. Which
2: couldn't be a more different movie. Oh, very. Yeah, totally. You know, when you look, I mean, you'll go through more of her credits, I'm sure. But that one really stands out as like really standing apart for a lot of different reasons and tone and just subject matter.
0: No, that's a good point. I think a lot of people probably think of her is, as a, you know, kind of romantic comedy yeah. um, type of writer. But she definitely had range. Um, I don't know. Maybe she just enjoyed doing the rom-coms more. I mean, that was her prerogative. But... I mean,
2: it's probably more enjoyable to write Sleepless in Seattle than a movie that has become infamous for A Silkwood Shower. Like, that's... That's what, like, if you're if you're that unclean, oh. you would say, like, I need a Silkwood shower. Oh,
0: I didn't know that. I've yeah. never heard that before. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, so among her credits, Silkwood, uh, I mentioned Herburn, for which she wrote the novel and the screenplay, Cookie, My Blue Heaven, This Is My Life. She gets her third Oscar nomination for Best Original Screenplay for Sleepless in Seattle, which absolutely adored that movie, but not an 80s movie, so can't cover it in the future mm-hmm. mix nuts michael you've got mail so a lot of vehicles for Mac Ryan
2: <laughs> she wrote very much so uh
0: yeah. so you got mail hanging up bewitched and then her last credit was for julie and julia so silkwood kind of started kicked off her writing career with meryl streep
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then likewise ended her screenwriting career with Meryl Streep so okay moving on to the director now <laughs> this guy who's we, this guy we uh we covered him oh not too long ago because we are talking about Mr. Rob Reiner
2: I I honestly didn't realize that Rob Reiner was so like I think when people think of 80s movies they definitely like one of the first things they think of probably John Hughes mm-hmm. but I didn't realize the extent to which Reiner influenced the 80s Like, there are some insanely great movies in the 80s from Reiner.
0: This is the argument I keep making (laughs) when his name comes up, is that I I do not think that enough people give him credit for just, like you just said, how influential and prolific he was during the 80s and just hit after hit after hit. I mean, he had a great batting average in the 80s. Yeah. So we just covered uh, not too long ago. This is Spinal Tap. So definitely head over to that episode if you'd like to learn more about another Rob Reiner vehicle. Um, but among his credits, or Princess Bride, or Princess Bride, which was last year. Yeah. So yeah, we've done we've covered a couple of his films already. So this is Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, Stand By Me. Those two I'm sure will be covered at some point.
2: Uh, oh yeah two, definitely <laughs> two incredibly
0: different movies but so like Ephron the guy has range uh misery so now we're coming out of the 80s a few good men for which so he didn't get an oscar nom for like best director but he was among the individuals up for best picture a few good men was up for best picture so he did get an oscar nom for that okay the American President, goes to Mississippi, The Story of Us, Rumor Has It, The Bucket List, LBJ, and then one of his most recent is Shock and Awe. Mm. So, amazing, amazing director. Okay, moving on to a really interesting guy. So, cinematographer. <laughs> <Who is it? laughs>
2: really interesting guy? <laughs>
0: really interesting guy. All right. So, uh, the cinematographer on this film was Barry Sonnenfeld, and the reason why he's a really interesting guy is because he started out as a DP, but then you might know him better, probably a lot of people do, as like a director and producer.
2: Yeah, the name is familiar. Yeah. yeah.
0: He He really transitioned, very successfully so, into these other facets of the industry. So... Okay. Among his cinematography credits, we have Blood Simple,
2: Compromising Positions. Oh, yeah. It sounds crazy.
0: Raising Arizona.
2: Man, that movie is so good. Yeah, we're we'll we get- definitely gonna cover that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Three o'clock high.
2: Throw Mama from the train. Three o'clock high was an interesting one. It's Bit- like yeah. Yeah,
0: I never seen it. It's
2: big. It's basically about getting bullied. Oh, kind of. Okay. Yeah, the guy he gets his ass kicked at three.
0: Oh, you know what? I think I know what movie you're talking about. Or he's going to. I
2: haven't
0: haven't seen it, but I think I know what movie you're talking about. Okay. So Throw Mama from the Train, big. Miller's Crossing. He also shot Misery. Mm. So he reteams with Rob Reiner. Okay. So then, just because... I mean, I normally don't list credits for somebody outside of the manner in which they were involved with. The
2: credited role. Yeah,
0: exactly. But I, again thought that the trajectory of his career was like very unique. And so I did list a couple of his directing credits. So he directed The Addams Family. Which one? Uh, like the original one that, what do you mean? Which one?
2: There, well, no. So there's the. um,
0: Like the Angelica Houston. God, and, yeah, yeah. 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 So The Addams Family. This is where I know him from as a director. Get Shorty. Oh, okay. Yeah. You yeah. love that movie. Love that movie. He directed Men in Black, Men Pretty in Black good. 2, Men in Black 3. Okay. Here's the thing, though, that really irks me about Men in Black. So if you go to – not the actual movies, but if you go to IMDb and see the way that they're listed, Men in Black 2, the designation of 2, mm-hmm. is written as, like, Roman numerals. Yeah. But then Men in Black 3 is just, like –
2: the number three. Yeah, the
0: number three.
2: I it's really so irritating. What I would want it to be is <laughs> men in black, lowercase spelled out three, parenthetical the oh, number three. Okay, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like pick a style. Yeah. Pick a style, people. And then he also he must really love Will Smith because he also directed Wow Wow West. Well so he's done definitely more current work, but those are like some of the biggies of his directing work. Yeah. Okay, so here's where normally I would bring up the composer on a given film. This movie has no
2: credited composer. It kind of has one song that they just kind of rehash or replay in slightly different ways throughout like the entirety of the movie.
0: Well, the closest that we get to composer is the credit of special musical performances and arrangements. Okay. By a very young Harry Connick Jr.
2: Yeah, he was going wild on the piano in those opening credits.
0: Yeah, so, uh, you know, part of what kicked off his career, if I'm remembering correctly, he also was involved in Sleepless in Seattle. Um, yeah. You know, he has a very identifiable voice. But what's funny about he's him? He's dreamy, I think. Oh, he's very dreamy. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but what what's interesting about him is that I think pe- a lot of people have come to know him as much for his acting work... Yeah. ...as his musical work. Yeah. So, and I actually, like, r- did a real quick look. Now, he has a lot of titles, like, like between, you know, this one and just, like, other soundtrack, that sort of thing. So, he has 38 soundtrack credits and 35 acting credits. So, it's kind of wow. almost even. Okay. With, yeah. So, Harry Connick Jr. Okay. Film editing by a gentleman with the name of—I don't know—I'm saying that way. (laughs) (laughs) Who is it? Robert Layton.
2: Okay, that yeah. I I was expecting like a really difficult to pronounce name, and like, are you are you just like uh, mentally like processing? I'm just like you know
0: like uh, gearing everybody up. Okay. Pins and needles, you know. We Uh, made it. So this is a gentleman that we have brought up before, and he both has a pretty impressive uh, resume of work, but then also it's very clear that he has had a very close relationship with Rob Reiner because he's pretty much his editor on everything. So among some of his credits, The Sure Thing, Stand By Me, we brought him up for Princess Bride. Mm Mm-hmm. Dorham so not exclusive to Rob Reiner, but Misery, A Few Good Men, for which he got an Oscar nomination for Best Editing, nice. North, The American President, Ghosts of Mississippi, The Story of Us. So showing you this ongoing relationship with Reiner, and then at some point in time, because like I know that Reiner and Christopher Guest are friends, he must have hopped onto the Christopher Guest train yeah. because he later in his career has edited a lot of his work so he edited best in show a mighty wind uh comes back to reiner rumor has it for your consideration which is another christopher guest film the bucket list now you see me and a dog's
2: purpose if this podcast has taught me anything it's that all you need to really succeed in hollywood is to do a pretty good job with a director who ends up being like (laughs) hugely successful yeah (laughs) that's all you gotta do that's it it's It's pretty simple quite simple there you go uh
0: yeah i mean that is something that comes up i don't know if we've covered a film where it kind of hasn't shown itself to be true where there are common yeah, yeah these relationships that just endure and whether that's between like here a director and an editor or a director and a screenwriter director and a composer i mean we've talked about it a lot
2: i think it's come up in the context of some of the you know directors and you know i think when we're talking about james cameron in particular yeah but to some extent i'm sure all of them when they have a process that works they just want to keep keep yeah doing that why why wouldn't you so yeah
0: i mean if it ain't broke so it yeah and it makes a lot of sense because like Especially for a director, you have so many balls in the air. You have
2: enough that you're not going to be, that you have to figure out. So Yeah.
0: If there's something that can kind of, as much as anything can be a sure thing. Yeah. Sorry for the 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 pun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Where you're like, okay, like I know what it's like to work with this person. They put out a good quality of work. I can trust them. I can rely on them. Then that's just one less thing on a very long list of things that they have to be worrying about. We've so, seen it
2: for so many of these movies yeah, where yeah. you just follow the chain of all the people who've worked and they're all the same people. Yep.
0: And it kind of doesn't matter as far as genre goes. Like no. it it crosses all genres and yeah. Okay. So moving on, like we're already at the stars of the film.
2: All right. Yeah.
0: So kind, kind of kind the of? first time that we've brought him up. We did very, very briefly bring him up for This oh, is Spinal yeah.
2: Tap. Yeah, Miracle Miracle Max. Oh man,
0: thank you for I'm glad you're here because I totally forget. <laughs> I mean, it was a year ago, it was a year ago. <laughs> but you're that's, you're that's, right. That's he my... was in both, yeah. He was in both, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking just more recently with us um mentioning his little mime cameo in This is Spinal Tap. I don't know my, if I've mine said is the name. Money. Billy Crystal Mime yeah. is money yes it's such a great mime is money might be as funny as anything that happens (laughs) in princess pride great line so yes billy crystal who plays harry burns and uh yeah i mean just like how rob reiner seems to have a nice relationship with leighton it's clear that these two guys are friends uh, they've worked together on a ton of stuff. Um, so as far as Billy Crystal's career, though, so he, he pretty much started off in television. And I'm curious, I don't know this for sure, but I put this down just because I was like, maybe. So he did have a an appearance on All in the Family. Oh, interesting. So I don't know if that's where him and Reiner met when Reiner was an actor yeah. on that show, possibly. So he has that little stint. And then, I mean, of his TV work, well, outside of, and I'll get to it in a second. Um, you know, if like a TV series, a sitcom type of series, soap was his big.
2: Yeah, that was huge.
0: Yeah, and and it was huge because of the character he played. He played a gay man, and I think I think soap was like late seventies. I want to say
2: it was. So yeah, it that was like it p- ended in the early eighties. Pretty groundbreaking.
0: Yeah. Uh. So that that's pretty awesome. So, like we mentioned, he has a really fun cameo in This is Final Tap.
2: Morty the Mime.
0: <laughs> and uh, so the other TV work that he's done, he was on Saturday Night Live for a long time. I mean, his credit for Saturday Night Live, I think, goes from, like, 84 to, like, sometime in the 2010s, like, with, like, guest appearances and stuff. Mm. So he uh, – I think he used to be more of a regular on it and, you know – comes back occasionally didn't
2: he host the Oscars for like ever
0: yeah I didn't I didn't add that but I, I do think that that is important Whoops. no 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 <laughs> I'm glad that you brought that up because that is important I just uh I guess I didn't list it as a role per se because he's just himself
2: it was a big deal when that stopped because yeah. he had done it I feel like he had done it long enough that it was like a whole thing when mm-hmm. when that had to roll over
0: Yeah, I mean, we've had a couple instances over the history of the Academy Awards where it kind of became identified with one particular host, like Bob Hope for a really long time was the host. And you're right, uh, Billy Crystal also was. And, you know, we've gone, I want to say like three years in a row without a host of the Oscars. I mean the Oscars.
2: We went like a year without actual movies <laughs> yeah, in theaters.
0: This is true. Um, you know, I won't go down the rabbit hole of like what might need to get fixed with the Oscars, but
2: that'll be a very special episode. That
0: will be a very special episode. You know, he he was fun. He didn't take it seriously. Like I remember when he, was he a good hosted. Host. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, I feel like every once in a while I read that they've you know I don't know the powers that be have reached out to him to see if he's still interested nope, yeah, i think I think maybe that ship has sailed for him, so yeah, okay, uh, but thank you for bringing that up. I'm glad you did, so among his film work because then he pretty much transitions exclusively into film
2: yeah i i mean i look at his progression from stand-up to tv to Mm -hmm, film mm -hmm. so he kind of like laid out a bit of a blueprint that
0: yeah yeah no i'd agree so running scared and as you mentioned and i forgot the princess bride (laughs) throw mama from the train yeah he did city slickers and city slickers 2 the legend of curly's gold mr saturday night Forget Paris, Deconstructing Harry, My Giant. Do you remember that movie? My
2: Giant. I kind of do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I don't think I ever saw it, but no. I like remember the like VHS box image of it. Analyze this and analyze that. He was really good in those films. I thought that that was a that was a good pairing between him and De Niro. Mm-hmm. They did really well together. And then probably maybe for a younger generation, uh Perhaps they don't know his face, but they maybe know his voice because he's one of the monsters in Monsters, Inc.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there a story about, like, wasn't he, didn't he have an opportunity to be in, like, Toy Story or something? And he...
0: Oh, I don't know. I I feel
2: like, don't even take it with a grain of salt. Take it with whatever is less than one grain of one salt. Like, But I feel like there's something there about, like, he had that opportunity and he didn't take it. And so he took the next one, which was still a good... I feel
0: like maybe I don't know if you're like inceptioning me, but like <laughs> maybe I've seen that story. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I feel like a lot of people maybe <laughs> turned down the original Toy Story stuff, and they're like, "Oh, that was a big mistake. I will take anything you give to me, Disney." After the fact,
2: he uh, was so he was offered uh, the Buzz Lightyear role and turned it down.
0: Oh wow! And then after
2: seeing the finished movie, he's like, "Well, that was a mistake."
0: Well. I guess I'll say, okay, hmm, I don't know if I see that voice for Buzz Lightyear. I do think Tim Allen has done a good job with Buzz Lightyear.
2: I, yeah, I think Tim Allen did a great job. Yeah. And Crystal, in fact, said that it was the biggest mistake of his career to not, <laughs> to well, not take it. I mean, it.
0: what we're all talking about is, like, monetarily.
2: Y- yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I look. I already have a difficult time in some ways believing Billy Crystal. Like he he is very much Harry in when Harry met Sally. Mm-hmm. So I believe that he is that character. I just have a difficult time believing some of the attributes of that character that I am supposed to believe. And in a similar way, I don't know that I would believe or like I think Tim Allen fit that kind of character mm-hmm. for Buzz Lightyear, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I do too. So, and, and he was great in Monsters, Inc., so.
0: Yeah, he was great. So it all, it all worked out. Yeah. He got his payday. It all worked out. <laughs> okay. So moving on to Meg Ryan, who plays Sally Albright. And, you know, we bring this up with Sonal. She was very early into her career when she got this huge role. Uh, so among some of her work preceding, uh, when Harry met Sally we have I, I had to put this one down and I don't know if we've watched it Amityville 3D <laughs>
2: no we will I know I've I've never uh never seen that yeah we're gonna have to get some old 3D glasses for yeah that, I yeah
0: I didn't know this I knew that for a stint she was on the soap opera as the world turns mm. so I was familiar with that work she uh, played two people Oh, did she? Betsy oh,
2: Stewart. Betsy Maybe there's a marriage involved.
0: Oh, that sounds like a marriage. I
2: want it to be two Betsys that just have different last names. I mean, names, it's a soap or, opera. Anything. And
0: literally anything
2: is possible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, probably some people knew her from her bit on or in Top Gun.
2: Her, Yeah, her character in Top Gun was like just almost a criminal underrepresentation of what she's capable of as an actor.
0: You know, it's just a total aside. How come when you're talking about actors and their work, you say they're in a movie, but they're on a TV show?
2: I don't know. But I know what my call to action is going to be. <laughs>
0: okay. So then we have InterSpace, DOA, hmm. Joe versus the Vulcan. So, okay, so this kicks off. Are you going to skip the
2: Presidio again? Oh. It's such a
0: good what movie. What do you mean again?
2: It's like the second time it, uh, <laughs> it's come up. During what other episode? I don't even know.
0: Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what you just did. So, okay. The Presidio. My apologies. Uh, she did Joe versus the Volcano. And so this was, I believe, her first teaming with Tom Hanks.
2: What a weird movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Doors. Which, I'm going to have to revisit that. I don't know what role she plays in that, but... Um... I
2: do remember from that, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She See, I'm was assuming a pretty... it's a dramatic
0: role. Yeah, a pretty yeah. prominent
2: role, yeah.
0: Is she like his love interest? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry, my Ryan. It's been a real long time since I've watched that movie. It's so, right. okay. Prelude to a Kiss, which that's a weird movie. It is. And then... Again, my probably my favorite of all her roles is Sleepless in Seattle, mm. where she routines with Tom Hanks. Love that movie. She does several kind of serious turns again, flesh and bone, when a man loves a woman. She goes, she kind of jumps back and forth uh, between her, kind of what she's known. I mean, she was known for a while as like America's sweetheart. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe maybe Julia Roberts then took that title from her. I don't know if anybody currently holds it.
2: Is is any okay? Well, I have a second call to action.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one. So she goes from flesh and bone, and when man lo- when a man loves a woman to IQ French kiss. She returns to more dramatic work with Courage Under Fire. I think she got a lot of acclaim for that. Is
2: I. I think I think so, and I just yeah. wanted to take a quick step back to IQ because sure. I think that's the one where she set up with Tim Robbins Correct. by Albert Einstein. Correct. Got it. Yes, exactly. High drinks ensues.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. City of Angels. You've got mail. So her last pairing with Tom Hanks, and you know I meant to bring it up with Sonal because we were kind of on this this topic where we were talking about. The way that people interact through technology nowadays versus, you know, the more personal interactions that occurred because of the lack of technology in the 80s. And I thought that this was an interesting kind of middle ground because You've Got Mail was just like, you know, the whole AOL was just beginning. And so it was like just the cusp of this, this forever change in the way that we communicate with each other.
2: Nothing makes me feel older than thinking... Yeah, things were kind of better before this <laughs> stuff. Before fill in the blank, the
0: good old days. Everybody yeah. has the good old days. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> she, uh, I guess, so to speak, reteams with Nora Ephron because she is in Hanging Up, and uh, then one of her, it's not, it's not really, really recent. She's kind of stepped away. I think. I, I mean, she's still working, but I think she's very selective. Yeah. And what she chooses to do. And one of her more recent credits that, again, isn't super recent is Kate and Leopold. Hmm. But, I mean, huge star. Huge star. Yeah. Uh, so, she's great. Okay. Moving on to yet another huge star. Carrie Fisher. She'll she's plays great Marie. in yeah. She's great.
2: She's absolutely phenomenal in this. I really, like, I've said this. Uh, You know, in our discussion with Sonal, but I just love seeing her in such a complete like role that's not Princess Leia.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's cool because I mean, if it's okay to say this, you you had not seen this movie from start to finish before we did just that for the podcast.
2: It's possible that I had seen the entire movie if I collectively took all the different times where I saw like a few minutes of it Mm -hmm. and then didn't watch all of it. So, yeah, it's the first time I've watched it from start to finish. Yeah.
0: And it was really cool to see how much you enjoyed her performance. Yeah. And I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, we, again, have very recently covered her because uh, she was part of the Blues Brothers, Mm -hmm. which was just a couple months ago. But you know what?
2: It's Carrie Fisher.
0: So let's go through. She
2: didn't even have a name in that.
0: Oh, in the Blues Blues Brothers. No, she's Mystery Woman. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of her very earliest credits was Shampoo. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, of course, everybody knows her as Princess Leia slash General Organa mm-hmm. later in the series uh, from Star Wars. And so we have Episode 4, A New Hope, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. In between uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi, She that's when she does the Blues Brothers. Yep. And uh, like I just said, she comes back for Return of the Jedi. And then she, you know, is for a long time done with the Star Wars stuff And so she does have a lot of interesting credits. I mean, Hannah and Her Sisters, The Burbs. She happens to be in Drop Dead Fred. She's really great in Soap Dish. I like her in Soap Dish. Scream 3. I mentioned this again very recently when we were talking about the Blues Brothers. Uh, Heartbreakers. Oh, yeah. Because I do have a fondness for that film. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which when we brought that up last time was my first. It was like my epiphany moment of realizing, (laughs) oh. Oh, that's a play on the Empire Strikes Back. Kevin
2: Smith is such a huge fan of all that stuff. So I it mean, absolutely was part. If you look at the art for it, yeah.
0: Embarrassing that I didn't put that together sooner. Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, the Women, and then she comes back for Star Wars episode seven, The Force Awakens, as well as Eight, Last Jedi. However, as most people, pretty much everybody yeah. knows she left us far too soon. Or yeah. I said that correctly. You did. Um, And basically, we brought this up actually during the Blues Brothers episode because she doesn't have a credit for The Rise of Skywalker, even though there is imagery of her in the movie, and that was just pure movie magic. They took, you know, they kind of had to Frankenstein it a little bit to make it work. And so for whatever reason, um, it just didn't, like, qualify as a true credit for her. So interesting what they're able to accomplish with technology. Yeah. Um, but it was really sad. I I mean, I really don't know. I haven't done that deep dive into, like, what maybe the story would have been had she stayed with us. Uh, it, what, what changes they had to make. But... And then also she did, you know, voice work. She was on Family Guy. And then her final credit was Wonderwell. Hmm. So. Okay. Moving on to, unfortunately, another really amazing actor who is no longer with us. Bruno Kirby. Who plays Jess. So he plays Harry's best friend. Just like how Marie plays Sally's best friend. Yes. In the film. And... So he also kind of started out in television. He kind of goes back a li- back and forth a little bit more um, than Billy Crystal did in his yeah, own career. Yeah, so,
2: he, he, yeah, Crystal once he made that leap, he kind, kind of, of just
0: yeah yeah stays in film. But he was on a TV series called The Super.
2: Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh
0: okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what I always forget is that he plays the young Clemenza. In the Godfather Part Two. Yes, and he's really good. He is. He's yeah. really good, and I just—I guess I never think about that, but yeah, he's—I
2: he's, mean, he's—he's he's really good at like slipping into these roles where you might not even realize it's, yeah. it's him. Like he, yeah,
0: yeah. So among some of his other film work, and this is kind of a funny coincidence again so not this one we're the buffalo Room, but he's also in spinal tap
2: he is he's the limo driver yeah
0: he's the limo driver so he has a great great part in that uh he's in birdie good morning vietnam we're no angels so then he comes back to tv so first he does it's gary shamling show which that is like really tough to say
2: if you think that's tough to say, just imagine it in the theme song, where they just sing that phrase over and over oh, again. Oh, is that?
0: I never watched it. Yeah. So, okay. So first, he's on that. I'm, I'm like, kind of pointing that out for a reason. Then he, he does some more films. He's in The Freshman. He's also in City Slickers, mm-hmm. The Basketball Diaries, Donnie Brasco, and then he comes back to TV for The Larry Sanders
2: Show. Which is kind of the same thing. Yeah. But it's, maybe that's the one. God, no. I think, so the Gary Shandling show is the one that had the crazy theme, and Larry Sanders was like a parody of those kinds of shows, I think.
0: And they both star Gary Shandling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing they were probably good friends. I hope so. If he, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't know that for sure, but, uh, and then he also, his his final credit was a, um appearance on the TV series Entourage. So... Okay, so those are our big four. Like, those are the four actors who really... They drive the movie. They drive the movie. Great way of putting it. But we have a couple more that I wanted to just uh, bring up before we move on. So this gentleman is mentioned when we're talking to Sonal, because I just thought this was a really fun bit of trivia. Mm -hmm. We have Stephen Ford who plays Joe. So this is the guy that Sally was dating and thought she was going to marry, and then he breaks her heart when he tells her, very cruelly, calls her up just to tell her he's getting married. Uh, So Stephen Ford is the son of President Gerald Ford.
2: Nice. I wish... I wish we had more presidents with sons who would do something that benefits us all like this and Yeah, right. Just just have like a solid role in a in a rom com. <laughs> no need to destroy the world, sons of presidents.
0: <laughs> so and he's had a pretty prolific career. I mean, amongst I as we were kind of saying with Sonal, maybe not necessarily like leading man type roles, but that doesn't mean that his his impact is any less. You know, every character brings something to the project. Yeah. So some of his credits: Cattle Annie and Little Bridges, which I thought was fun. Little Escape from New York.
2: Bridges or Britches?
0: Britches. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Escape from New York. Uh, excellent movie.
0: Young Doctors in Love. Oh. The Eleventh Commandment.
2: Heat. Hold on a second. How many were there? <laughs> what, what would it even be?
0: That actually was why I was like, oh, I wonder what the movie is about. Yeah. Because I was like curious what that 11th commandment would be. <laughs> yeah. So I actually was. It did have my curiosity peaked. Uh, uh, so he is in Heat. I'd like to go back to Heat and see where he is in that one. Hmm. We do that a lot. We're, Officer Bruce. Officer Bruce. Okay. Contact. Same Zs. I'd like to go and in, back into that movie and see where he is and like actually for almost all the rest of these films starship troopers armageddon the rage carry Two, black hawk down transformers and then like we mentioned with sonal so like his probably most substantial like project was the fact that he was on he also was on a soap opera the young and the restless for 21 years and if you can get
2: that kind of gig that's that is uh
0: that's money in the pocket longevity yeah From 1982 to 2003, he Mm. was on that show. And then just in addition to that, though, he's done a ton of just TV appearances.
2: Can you imagine if Netflix had a soap opera and it ended after three seasons?
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. So moving on to Alice. So if you're not like, who's Alice in this movie? She's the one that is like kind of this... um, She's
2: the other friend of she's, Sally. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. She's the other friend. So like when Sally reveals that her and Joe have broken up at lunch, brunch, wherever they are, Alice is that third person who's there with her and Marie. Yeah,
2: she's the one that didn't happen to have a Rolodex full of men. Exactly. Just at her side, ready to go.
0: Exactly. So um, also has like a really kind of prolific resume of work. So the, my goodness, the actress's name is Lisa Jane per- Persky. Okay. I think I'm saying that I think so. Yeah. And so among her credits, the great Santini, Love in a Taxi, American Pop, The Cotton Club. Do you, I do know her from these next two credits, The Sure Thing. Do you know who she is? She's Tim Robbins' wife.
2: Oh, okay. I believe.
0: And then in Peggy Sue Got Married. Or did she? Peggy Sue?
2: Yeah, no. Isn't that in the the title? Or Will She?
0: Well, what?
2: Yeah. No, that's part of it. (laughs)
0: So she's in Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah, The Big Easy. She was on a TV series called Private Eye. She goes back to film. She's in Great Balls of Fire, Coneheads, Destiny Turns on the Radio, and same scenes as Stephen Ford. She has a lot of TV appearances.
2: So I'm just just so you know, I'm not crazy. The poster for Peggy Sue Got Married says Peggy Sue Got Married, and then in tiny little letters, it says italicized or will she?
0: Thank you for
2: that's clear. clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> i appreciate no nope, no problem
0: <laughs> it's like, i'm, I'm gonna, like wait am i i'm gonna just fly right back by that <laughs> one um but uh okay and then lastly we have michelle nicostro who plays amanda so this is harry's girlfriend when they're leaving college
2: oh i'm so glad that you gave her some credit she got no credit in this she movie. got no credit even even meg ryan sally forgets who That's the hell her, her friend is? Yeah. Without her, this movie's not happening.
0: Yeah. So an actress who you know had started off, I think, um, with a really strong career, and unfortunately, uh, she also is mm-hmm. no longer with us and died very young of breast cancer. Um, but among her credits, she has Body Rock, Bad Guys, another uh, soap opera. She was on Santa Barbara. Interesting. She did a voice on The Swan Princess. Uh, And I think that had a couple kind of like one-offs from it as well. And then she, like kind of the same as these other actors and actresses we were just talking about. Lots of TV appearances.
2: Yeah. I I just want to highlight some of the, she has some amazing TV credits. Airwolf, Charles in Charge, Who's the Boss, Knight Rider, Simon and Simon. My God. I'm glad you brought those up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm glad that you listed those. And, uh, you know, it, the people like Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan are not going to be soon forgotten in the history of cinema. So I like bringing up these individuals who they had their own careers. They had their own, you know, time in the industry and it's just really unfortunate that she left us too soon. So Michelle Nicastro. Okay. Film synopsis.
2: Oh yeah. Is there a synopsis for this?
0: Oof. Sorry, I'm influencing you, but I'm just going to read it.
2: Okay, lay it on me.
0: Harry and Sally have known each other for years and are very good friends, but they fear sex would ruin the friendship.
2: Man. That's literally it. I don't know what you actually write for the uh, synopsis of this, but I like going into the poster for the movie. Sure. And I think this poster is actually in some ways the best representation of kind of like the underlying theme that starts with Billy Crystal just saying like a man and a woman can't be friends because of sex so it just says on the poster can two friends sleep together and still love each other in the morning Mm. I actually like that more as both the synopsis and just as like the underlying like issue that's raised in the movie
0: yeah I mean that's
2: I know it's not a synopsis. It's
0: a tagline. It is a tagline, um, but I agree with you. That but if speaks... I wrote it
2: next to the word synopsis, it could be the synopsis.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's just like a really weird. I don't know. Like they fear sex. Would re- I don't. I don't know if I've exactly picked up on in the film that like that's a current an underlying current throughout the entire day. Like, no, they don't fear like, that. Yeah, they're not <laughs> hanging out thinking, oh, man, if we have sex together. Like, it's a discussion that comes up in kind of a abstract manner. I mean, they do kind of talk about it more as far as, like, the two of them in that first interaction, that first time that they meet each other. Yeah. But um, it's just – I don't think it really is indicative of – what the film is really about.
2: I think Meg Ryan's character would probably think throughout a lot of the movie that if they did have sex and that's all he ever really wanted was just to have sex with her. And I think maybe from Harry's side, he would think, well, I actually have an actual friendship and if Mm -hmm. I, if I like, if it becomes physical, then that will ruin it. So Mm -hmm. maybe, but they're definitely coming at it from different perspectives. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think we can agree on one thing, which is that this synopsis is rubbish.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've had a couple bummer synopses.
2: Yeah, it's tough it's tough to write a good synopsis. It's
0: tough out there. Okay. So montage. Uh you know what's interesting about this film is that we go through a pretty significant like series of uh flash forwards kind of
2: 5 years later.
0: Yeah, we I mean it starts with them both being 21 they're fresh out of college Mm -hmm. we have that first interaction between them and then we fast forward five years to
2: the airport right to the
0: airport and then we have that kind of interaction where they're talking on the plane and that sort of thing and then we bump up another five years yeah so these are not montages um
2: no, there this was is, no like this is just uh, a time skip. Raiders music with a, a map and a plane flying exact, by. Exactly, exactly. Sure. So these are just
0: time skips. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we pretty much stay in present time, which is them both being in their like early thirties.
2: Yeah, I think once we get past the the last big time bump, it's kind of weird because then every time something like kind of big happens, I'm like, wait, was there another big time skip?
0: Yeah, they go through. I would I would say that. Once we get to current day the passage of time gets a, a little wonky, a little ambiguous we yeah. go through like two Christmases.
2: Cuz you got to clock it with the hairstyles. Exactly. Does he have a does he have a beard? No? Okay.
0: Yeah, you have to clock it with the hairstyles, um the facial hair. and uh, basically like the reason why it's a little wonky is because for instance when Sally has her breakdown when she finds out that Joe is getting married. And she invites Harry over. You know, she says to him, this is supposed to be his transitional person. And it's like, but hasn't it been like more than a year at this point? Yeah. So it's not like she's fresh out of the relationship at this point.
2: So after that, like second five year skip, it's basically everything covers like what? Maybe like two years at the most. A year and a half. Yeah, because it starts two
0: years because then also in that time frame, Marie and Jess get married.
2: We get to New Year's Eve things yes, out of it, exactly,
0: exactly. So I'm gonna say like at least a year and a half. Okay, um, but there there is actually a true montage, which is when after they sleep together and they're on the outs with each other. You know, you see like her, and they they set it up where like yeah. you know, they initially had um harry with her when she gets her christmas tree now she has to drag her christmas tree by herself yeah um that kind of stuff so they do show passage of time in terms of like this like separation between them so that's true yeah um but it the the film does kind of play with time in an interesting way even outside of montage so yeah uh you know some we had a couple fun facts Um, Some of them we've already talked about. We talked about Stephen Ford. Um, We talked with Sonal about just how many times it takes to nail that phone scene between the four of them. Yeah. So we'll we'll bring that up with Sonal. But then, you know, I don't know how much people know about, like, the backstory of this film. But essentially, like, Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron were really good friends. And so largely these characters are based on them.
2: That's amazing. I I, I mean, you can bring up the, the airplane
0: sure. story, right? Sure. Well, just that, uh, you know, one time Nora Ephron, this is, so this is after the film came out, she's ordering a drink on a plane, apparently was being very detailed about it, mm. and the flight attendant just said, not knowing who she was, was like, have you seen When Harry Met Sally?
2: That's kind of an insult, by the way.
0: Yeah. That's... <laughs>
2: Exactly. That's like basically I, saying like you're being a little difficult.
0: I think she probably took it well. I you hope know? so. Um, I think she had a sense of humor about herself. Like she was very self-aware. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you write a, a character like Sally without being self-aware. If you're yeah. like, yeah, this is kind of based on me. Yeah. Um. So and I think that in earlier drafts, they didn't actually get together. And... So I don't know if it was just that, like, I don't know what they did. Test audiences, whatever. And it was just like, no, they Wait, need to be together. They but... didn't
2: get together. What do you mean?
0: They didn't like, get together. Harry and
2: Sally? Yeah. But what, what happens then?
0: I don't know. That's not the film that ended up being made. That
2: would be when Harry and Sally never got together, which would be a totally different movie.
0: Okay, but that's not the title of the movie. <laughs> the title of the movie is not when Harry and Sally got together. Well, I,
2: <laughs> I assume that's what the ellipsis at the end... Stands for when <laughs> Harry met Sally. Dot, Actually, dot, dot.
0: I appreciate you bringing it up because that brings me to, I don't know if this is like really a fun fact, but apparently they had just the most hellish time trying to come up with the title of this movie. Yeah. They could not land on something that they liked.
2: So they landed on an incomplete sentence. Yeah.
0: So they landed on when Harry met Sally and apparently Neff, uh, like put her two names together. Nora Ephron. Yeah. Uh, Kind of was like God. I wish we would have <laughs> went with something else. <laughs> so she really wasn't a
2: fan of the title of the movie. I have one other fun fact. Yeah, sure. It's it's half fun and half not fun. But all oh. of the uh, all of the older couples that oh, that yeah. are like mm-hmm. throughout the movie talking about how how they like how long they've been together and how they met. Real stories. Actors. Yeah, I thought thought maybe there was a chance that they were just like the actual couples that they brought in. Mm -hmm. They seemed pretty good in front of the camera, Mm -hmm. like too good to Mm -hmm. just be the real people. But then there's that one couple where the guy literally says nothing and just kind of stares blankly at the camera. And I think he just says his name or something. And that made me think, maybe, well, maybe that's real. I don't know.
0: From what I read, uh, you know, Reiner collected all these stories and I think. I think he probably would have wanted the actual couples to be the ones on screen telling these stories, Yeah. but probably realized, okay, we're, we're dealing with like, um, older individuals. There would be a lot involved. Yeah. Who are not used to being in front of a camera. Yeah. And so he just made, he had to make a call, Yeah. you know, and just decided, okay, we'll get actors. Well,
2: I mean, it was executed perfectly. Yeah. Because you you don't don't know. know. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. So let's uh, let's dive into our awesome conversation with Sonal. Let's do it. All right. We are so incredibly excited to have with us today actor Sonal Shah, whose credits include Scrubs, Superstore, and New Girl. She is currently voicing the character of Poonam on Mira Royal Detective, which is on Disney Plus, and she also has a development deal with Disney. Sonal, welcome to the show. Hello. (laughs)
1: Thank you. It's so nice
0: to be here. Hello to you both. (laughs) We are stoked. We've wanted you on the show for a while. It is just such a joy to have you here. And... Holy cow, I think we have a lot to jump into, so yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what we're going to do. So okay. As I normally do, I'm just very curious about your very first experience seeing this movie and just, you know, do you, do you remember it, first of all? Do you remember if it was a film that you did instantly take to? Just kind of your general thoughts about
1: it. All right. So... I'm not going to lie. I do not remember when Never I did. first watched it. <laughs> However, I re-watched it mm-hmm. um, this week. And what's amazing about When Harry Met Sally is that, every time I watch it, it's like when Sonal meets Harry, <laughs> when <laughs> Sonal meets Harry, meeting Sally for the first time, every time I see it, it's like, it says, that's, I think one of the magical, uh, part, like the magical, the magic of this movie in mm-hmm. particular is because every time I watch it, I feel like I'm meeting it for the first time. And like, I find, I see new things and different moments sort of sink in mm-hmm. and, and, And I still, I laugh out loud and I cry. You know, it's like everything happens for the first time every time I see it. And that is so cool about this movie. So yeah, to be honest, I don't remember the very first time, but really it could just, it could be two days ago.
0: (laughs) No, I totally agree. I mean, I think- One of the reasons why, because I totally understand what you're saying about how every time it kind of washes over you anew. Mm -hmm. And for me, part of that comes from just the really dynamic and interesting dialogue. And I was very curious. So, like you're an actor, like rich, juicy dialogue, I'm assuming, is just you know, actor's playground. So Mm. when you're watching a movie like this, how do you think about kind of the way that these characters are, are communicating with each other?
1: It's So brilliant. It's Mm -hmm. just so real. I mean, I, okay. I like to think of myself, Well, actually I don't like to think of myself. People have pointed out that I'm like a walking romantic comedy. So and this and like I go around the world, you know, kind of being I feel like I am these characters. Mm -hmm. Both of them, though. Like I feel like both I have two and that that's what's so cool about the both of these characters is that they're so relatable even now. I mean, this was made Mm -hmm. in what, nineteen eighty-nine? And it it's still so relevant and so um, in terms of the dialogue, like it still, it still sticks. You know, I still have these conversations, and you know, especially the the, the main question of this movie is, you know, can men and women really be friends? Mm-hmm. And um, it's that's which is fascinating for me because I grew up. I don't know if you, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I grew up with. Uh, I joke that it's twenty seven brothers, but really, like mm-hmm. I grew up with all guys, and I had my whole life. I've just been. I have. You know more I have more guy friends and girlfriends. I didn't really feel like I made my first girlfriends um until like end of high school then into college and it was uh you know, but that's so it's so funny to me because it, my instinct instinct is yes, of course guys and girls mm-hmm. can be friends all my friends are guys and but now then as an adult, it's different because those guys are they're they're like my brothers, but now you know it's just it's just. relationships are different but it's it's I'm really good friends with basically like all my friends husbands you know and I'm Mm -hmm. really good friends with I still make um you know guy friends but there's a difference now when when I'm single and then I meet a guy who is single (laughs) that there's there is definitely a difference like uh but um and I always this movie kind of makes me question that but that's the power of the dialogue in this movie is that I like I think about it on a normal day, and that's the power. This, you know, Nor Efron. Yeah. I mean, oh. she's a genius, and she was, I think, nominated for an Oscar for this. And terms of yeah. Her writing, yeah, you're her. absolutely right. Yeah, and that's you know, yes. So to answer your question in a long-winded way, yeah, of the having, I mean, writers make right good writing is a dream for any actor because it just it makes it so much easier to visualize and jump into those into that part. I'm
0: curious because like one thing that – so Derek and I do the same thing. Like we rewatched it last night. And uh, I feel like, you know, anytime we cover any movie, maybe because I am kind of looking at it in a more critical way in preparation for the podcast, but I'm always Mm -hmm. noticing new things about any movie we cover. And one thing that kind of stuck out to me on this last viewing – and again, I hope you don't mind that I'm kind of like picking your brain as an actor on this – but, no, not at all. <laughs> okay, cool. Because, like, as great as the dialogue is, the actors themselves, and I hope I articulate this well enough, they're not, like, doing a lot. Like, they're mm. sitting in a cafe, or they're um, unrolling a rug in Harry's room, you know, like yeah. like they're doing kind of like not like the the conversation is the focus of every single scene, and not so much like the actions of the actors. If that makes With one s- exception, what exception? The
2: batting cages.
0: Oh, that's true. But even that is like <laughs> very secondary yeah. to the conversation yeah. that's being had. And so I'm just curious, as an actor, like. Is that easier for you when you're in a scene where you know that it's the dialogue that's like front and center? Or do you like to have more of, quote, something to do while you're in a scene?
1: Well, what's fascinating is that you even kind of just said it. They, It's true. The conversation is sort of the main character of every scene. Yet, in many scenes, there is... Kind of a business that's happening, like unrolling okay. the rug, and um, at the cafe eating, and you know, even after her infamous orgasm moment, she mm-hmm. kind of she takes a bite, and uh, <laughs> and and is so nonchalant. But that's like that as an actor, sort of as a te- in the technical aspect of mm-hmm. it, is like okay, so the business is you know go back to the salad, and the business is, we're unrolling a rug here. The business is the driving, you know, one person is driving, and also car scenes are always so interesting because there's. And int- intimacy that's there because the eyes you're not you're not staring at each other you mm-hmm. know your so the majority of your eyes uh, of your your eye language is out the window or you know forward and so you're kind of listening and talking through your heart that's how I always feel because when you're in the car it's just like you can't that's sort of where your bo- the molecules are bouncing from
2: hmm.
1: and um, but yeah like the business quote in that scene. Is the driving, and um, and then uh, when they're at dinner with the two mm-hmm. friends, mm-hmm. they're eating, you know, and it's sort of then and then the moments where they kind of look at each other or they're drinking, and so it's interesting because you're right, there's there's not major action that's happening, but there's little character businesses that are you know that are kind of in many scenes sort of just happening but that's also such a testament to the actors themselves because Mm -hmm. they're kind of um uh it it doesn't look it doesn't look like they're doing much but so much I, i feel like it's so filled each moment of the movie is so filled um as the movie trans like goes on it's so filled so filled by their history with each other mm-hmm. from that, that was built in that car ride and then later on. Um, and then it's also just so filmed, filled by their actual, you know, feelings for each other. But, uh, and even in that one scene where he goes into the accent where they're at the yes. museum, oh, yeah. the garden place, <laughs> you know, they're kind of, their their business until they, like their business in that scene is sort of the accent, you know? Mm-hmm. And just the mm-hmm. fact that they are in this kind of, Um, large artistic environment it's very you know it it just makes it it's sort of like we always talk about as in a scene the event of the scene so it's sort of like all of that other stuff is um, significant until he says so do you want to have dinner tonight Mm -hmm. and then the event is oh she has a date and and then they kind of stop all that business, you know, the accent stops, the kind of, you know, and then then they have that moment. So it's so cool because like that's what then makes the then we know as an actor watching, oh, that's the event of the scene. Like when kind of all the business stops and it's just then you Hmm. just let the words do the work. I know I'm talking a lot, but one more thing is that it's interesting. No, um, I, as you are talking,
0: oh. like I don't mean to uh sound corny, but like it kind of gives me goosebumps because I think there's nothing cooler than listening to somebody who is like an expert in a certain field like evaluate and talk about what it is that like how they relate to what, what is happening in a movie. Like that that was just like I was just like hanging <laughs> on your words because yeah, I, I think well, it's so interesting.
2: That was amazing.
1: So one of my uh, one one of huge Lesson I learned even in college. I did, when I was a senior in college, I did a production of Three Sisters and I played Olga. Mm-hmm. And the first line of the play is um, "Father." when father died a year ago, or father died a year ago today. And I was unable to do it without emotion. And we were in rehearsal and my director, Jonathan Wilson, <laughs> was like, take it out take out the emotion take out the emotion and I was you know I was a young actor I didn't know mm-hmm. what I was doing and uh I just every time I said father died a year ago I fathered and I would keep I would I would just bring too much, like a bring stuff to it mm-hmm. and he was he'd be like take 57 take 75 and he was so frustrated with me and finally he's like Sonal let the words do the work let the words do the work and I was like he's like this is off. And that's sort of everything sunk in, in that moment, the fact that I still remember it. And to the point where then I went and studied Chekhov like at the Stanisovsky School at Harvard after that, oh, wow. because I was I became I was so obsessed with words. And in that when you have words that are so good and dialogue that is so good, you can let the words do the work. And what's so beautiful about that and and, um, and in terms of the world of Chekhov and Nora Ephron is like they write such seemingly simplistic dialogue, but it's all very slice of life. Yeah. So when you're working in that genre of slice of life and you're letting the words do the work, that is then the trust. you You have to really trust that you are enough. And that, I think, is the kind of the journey of many actors is learning and figuring out how to trust that they're enough and that they don't need to bring so much, especially when the dialogue is so good. You don't need to, you do need to bring history, story, circumstance, and but you don't need to, my current mentor, John Rosenfeld always says, you don't need to bring sand to the beach. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's like, if you're already there's already love there. You don't need to bring more love. Mm-hmm. And uh, me, so personally, I'm already, I'm a little quirky. I don't need to add, I don't need to act like a, a quirky. I am, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's these are, that's why I love this movie so much because it just feels kind of like a, a great play, like a great slice of life play where you just kind of are with these people experiencing their relationship with them. And it's just so intimate because and once again because the dialogue i feel like is really really takes center stage and it's just so good and they're able to just honor it and be na- and 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 so effortlessly kind of be natural with it but their that naturalness still comes from um just you know being really fantastic mm-hmm. actors with great timing <laughs> yeah well
0: first of all oh, so well said sonal and i'm curious You know, this given everything that you were just mentioning about what the actor should or shouldn't bring to the material, you know, I think it's really interesting because, you know, as much as I've kind of done research on where the two leads were in their careers at this point, I mean, Meg Ryan really, you know, like people maybe would have recognized her from her little role in Top Gun.
2: Inner Space.
0: Um, space, you know, like so not a lot. Uh, as far as like her her resume of work, and mm-hmm. then Billy Crystal. I mean, people knew him as like a pretty straight comedic actor, primarily
2: stand up. Yeah, exactly. Point, right? SNL. Yeah.
0: Um. You know, he had been on soap, which he, had uh, kind of some some um, layers to it. He was just in the Princess Bride. Exactly. I mean, broad comedy, yeah. broad comedy, in the Princess <laughs> yes. Bride. Yeah. Um. So. I'm curious, like, how you feel about the way that they took the material and, you know, do you uh, do you think that, you know, they were casted well? Uh, could could somebody else have taken that on? Like, how do you f- and the and especially the chemistry between them? I'm very curious about.
1: Oh, that's such a good question. Like, can, I can't imagine anyone else. In this. I mean, I guess with the exception of Tom Hanks, because let's be honest, Meg Ryan has done oh, so, so many. They're so great beautiful together. Yes. With Tom Hanks, <laughs> they really <And> are. So, <laughs> but you know, Tom Hanks still, Billy Crystal has that sardonic, kind of dry uh, sense of humor that was so, just felt so understated in this. And especially because he did come from such broad comedy, mm-hmm. he really it's like you can tell he just let it all go and Mm -hmm. he just focused and i love that you said it's the chemistry i mean the chemistry is what drives this movie and that will they won't they this is the basis like this is i feel like one of the you know um movies that changed the that changed the landscape when it came to You know, romance of Mm -hmm. that just testing the waters of the will they won't they and the tension throughout. And even though, you know, they're going to end up together, Mm -hmm. it's 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 still this has that, you know, it was just so before its time and or, or I guess before its time or of the time in the sense that. When he runs, you know, runs to see her. Right. right. Sort of the like the cliche airport run or the cliche, you know. This we see this all the time. But this was one of the first times that we saw this, mm-hmm. and and it's that it's it's so hard to pull off in rom coms because you once again mm-hmm. you know that they're going to end up together, but we still are like, yes, go, go, run. Back! go go no get that taxi you know we still like every time of like I hope he makes it you know and um uh yeah so gosh could I imagine it with i you know with this classic kind of movies it's hard to imagine with Another actor, but I would like to say I would love to do this. You know, I would love to do this. I would even love to play his, like this, the Harry character, you know, this kind of. Oh, that would be fascinating.
0: Know, right? Like, just, reversal. Oh, I don't know.
1: Right? Right. No, I but, love
0: that idea. Again, I, <laughs> <man, laughs> I, yeah, I, I yeah. think they, somebody needs to do that idea. You need to do that idea. Um, I mean, I know that, uh, well, first of all, I agree with you. Like, I, I will admit that. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm I I love Nora Ephron's work. I mean, she mm-hmm. she is someone to whom I aspire. You know, like she she was just so so good. I uh, I have a great fondness in my heart for Sleepless in Seattle,
1: mm-hmm. um, and
0: so like I really do love that Meg Ryan Tom Hanks dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that he well from what I read, and you know. Derek and I joke green that, assault. like, green assault with everything that you read online. <laughs> but um, that he actually was offered the role and turned it down because he didn't think there was, like, enough to it. Wow. Uh, which, yeah, which I think is really interesting. I that mean, he felt he, that uh... way, especially for how early in his career he was yeah. to turn that down.
2: He got his uh, Meg Ryan relationship movie. So he did. He it, got two of them Joe versus the volcano. Oh, he
0: got three of them. Yeah. 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 He got three of them. Oh, but I couldn't, wow. I mean,
2: Harry Burns basically is Billy Crystal. At least yeah. how I how I think of Billy Crystal mm-hmm. is so tied with that Harry character and in some ways it makes me almost dislike the Harry character cuz I'm like I I don't know. I don't know Harry. I don't I don't think you're worth Sally's time. <laughs> I don't know about this. This is I mean it t- it took decades for her to say like okay, I'm I'm used to Harry now. Right. But as far as the casting goes, I I couldn't imagine anyone else really in either of those roles because Mm -hmm. Meg Ryan as as Sally is just perfect. And Mm -hmm. and you know when you're talking about how some of the how understated some of the scenes are, I think the one that that really stuck out in my mind is when they're dancing at the first Mm -hmm. New Year's Eve party, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's for maybe the first time ever this like glimmer of actual like. Mm-hmm. emotion mm-hmm. between the two mm-hmm. and just the look of absolute horror on her face <laughs> <laughs> communicated like it. everything that was probably going on in, in that character's head. like oh shit mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I, I love that moment
0: well i'm curious i wanted to kind of throw this out to both of you but sonal especially because of again kind of um looking at it from an acting perspective so First of all, tell me if you guys didn't see it the same way, because that's valid. Um, mm-hmm. But the way that Harry is first introduced, I mean, they really they really kind of put it out there immediately that these are this, these two people are oil and vinegar, you know, mm-hmm. like they make it really super clear. And, you know, so you have that initial introduction to Harry. Then when we fast forward five years and they come across each other again at the airport and then on the plane... He, she, she has, I would say, by and large, retained the characteristics that she was introduced with, but he seems much more subdued than the way mm-hmm. he was introduced. Like, he doesn't have that, like, same rashness anymore. Where he, I, I don't know, is that, did you guys not feel the same way about that? I
2: felt like he was, his character had kind of matured a bit.
0: That's a great mm-hmm. way of putting it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He grew up like most men, like when you meet <laughs> men in there, you know, right out of college, because at first time he's basically right out of college. Exactly. And so, you know, he had one thing on his mind and then he kind of calmed down after five years and was about to get married. And I think he really was, you know, really in that mode of I'm settling down and uh, like, I'm excited. I'm happy to be getting married. Mm -hmm. And he was over. And I think he mentions like he was over living the single life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree with you, Derek, and that he matured (laughs) like there, And it's very clear.
2: He, he had taken like a big step, but that step was really just from wanting to kind of have a relationship or hook up with, with anyone to I'm kind of tired of that. And this person is willing to marry me. So I just don't want to <laughs> date anymore. Which isn't the same as saying, like, I want to spend the rest of my life with this is with my soulmate. Yeah. Yeah. So he was right. like kind of halfway right. there when he saw uh Sally in the uh at the airport.
0: I just thought right. that it was really interesting because given the way that they met each other, it made total sense why Sally was not a fan of his and you know the way that she responded uh upon them reuniting or however you want to put it at the airport but if they had only met for the first time at the airport i don't think that there would have been you know what i'm saying i know that that's that'd be weird
2: because he was just staring at her
0: (laughs) well he knew joe he knew joe her boyfriend that's a good
2: point yeah
0: um but I just I just thought that was interesting because he goes through a pretty, I feel, major character shift between meeting one and meeting
1: two.
2: Yeah. Where
0: she's kind of the same person.
1: Yeah, you're right. You know, character-wise, she is the same. She's grown a little in the sense that now she uh, has her own, you know, she has a job and mm-hmm. she's, you know, traveling for work. And there is this kind of a this sense of of um you know but she was sort of living it seemed like at that point she was kind of living her life for this joe guy right you know like there is just still he it was clear that he you know was in control of the relationship Mm -hmm. and um maybe now because this is a theme that i've been thinking about a lot lately it's like almost like she wasn't she thought she was ready but she really wasn't but mm-hmm. I think she was still in that phase. I mean, she was only, what, I think 20, 26 probably at that, yep. you know, at that time. And um, I feel like you see more of a shift the third time we see her than when she's yes. 32. There Between, yeah, that mid-20s to being 32, which is kind of, I feel like, when a lot of women mm-hmm. grow. Whereas he, more of his growth happened before the before the mar- before he decided to get married but then mm-hmm. of course then after after going through the divorce like um yeah like i just thought i thought it was yeah. really
0: interesting the way that their characters go through these like i don't i don't know i mean i agree with both of you that was a much better way of putting it his like maturity shift um between meeting one and meeting two and i agree with you as well sonal um and i think it took like in that third time where now we see her um, at like thirty one, thirty two, and she's, you know, having lunch with her friends, Marie and Alice. Mm-hmm.
2: It, what it I thought, just whips out the Rolodex of men. Yeah, I know.
0: Oh <laughs> my God. so, so funny. Um, so I, great. One thing I want to say really quickly, just before we move past that scene, but uh, Sonal, do you know who, the, so the actor who played Joe, do you know who that is? No, who I wouldn't is expect it? you to. I wouldn't expect you to, and I didn't know either. But in doing my research, so his name is Stephen Ford, as in President Ford. He is the son of President <sighs> Gerald Ford. You, you what? know, you can
2: see the resemblance too, like in his IMDb what? picture. You, you see, totally can. Yeah,
0: isn't that so <gasps> wild? <gasps> that is crazy. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite this- fact. Is that president? F- this person was in Starship Troopers too. <laughs> wow!
1: What were, we gonna
2: say? were you going to say something, Sonal?
1: Well, yeah. Was he? So was this his only? I don't know. Was his this his only movie, or was he like no. an actor? Or? That's what He's is so wild.
0: Like, I mean, he hasn't uh, necessarily been a, a leading character um in in different projects but he's done a ton of work i mean you know derek oh, yeah. just mentioned star, starship troopers you know he's had bit roles in heat contact armageddon black hawk down probably his most significant project is that he was on the young and the restless for 21 years so wow. isn't
1: that so crazy what that that is crazy. I had no idea. Yeah. That is really <laughs> I
0: just thought that was like so super cool. fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um but we okay, so we
0: did mention her briefly and she is I feel amazing in this movie, but Carrie Fisher. And and for mm. that matter, Bruno Kirby. Um mm-hmm. I mean, I <sighs> I'm trying to think of an example where you know, kind of the supporting uh cast has had more, more of a dynamic, char- like character arcs. Like they, they're they're amazing. Like they are given a lot.
2: I, I feel. Yeah, I really liked Carrie Fisher as in, as Marie because mm-hmm. Mary Marie Marie. I can never say that name right. <laughs> um But it, it felt like the most real character that I've seen Carrie Fisher mm-hmm. in because people generally just associate her with princess Leia and mm-hmm. star Wars. And she's been in other things, but it's kind of like, Oh, I recognize her from star Wars. So yeah. I, what I loved about this movie was how she was like a fully realized mm-hmm. character in the movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, but you're right. They had, they had a lot to do because mm-hmm. the main characters couldn't really get through what they were getting through without them.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Which is so, another thing, like so amazing that Nora Ephron was able to pull off these real friendships and the And Marie also, I mean, one of my favorite lines in the movie, and I'm going to totally botch it, but it's when they're at the bookstore where she's like, someone's staring at you from personal growth. (laughs) It's so so funny and effortless. And also it's just such a genius line. And that is like, um, you know, she's, you root for everybody in this movie Mm -hmm. and they're so, they're all developed. And I think now, you know, as I, as, for me in terms of like writing now, it's something that I think about a lot of like, okay, when I'm writing the protagonist, let's say the protagonist is based on me, for example. And uh, it's always, it is, it is something, it's a challenge to think about, okay, who is, who are these supporting characters and how do I give them their own arc and their own journey? Mm -hmm. It's not an easy Mm -hmm. thing to do. And I think Nora Ephron just does that so effortlessly. Um, while tackling such real, 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 real like uh, themes mm-hmm. and issues of just like Marie, you know, and the whole thing of her being dating this married man, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. um, and like knowing that it's wrong and just still continuing to do, and people do this all the time, yep. and yep. and they they were able to pull that off as just as actors without. Playing into the stereotype and without playing cliches. Like even the right, even um, um, Jess, when he's at dinner, uh, Bruno Kirby, mm-hmm. when he's, you know, so excited that she likes his, mm-hmm. she, you know, repeats quotes his him. line of writing. Yeah, and she quotes him. That, I mean, that's so true of, of course, writers want <laughs> themselves to be quoted. It's, <laughs> it's like that every writer wants that. But, that he doesn't play into that, like the narcissistic quality of mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just excited about it. And it's just it's so real and it it's just like ah so good. So I'm just I'm not adding really anything just no. That. No, no, I agree you definitely with you. We are.
0: I mean, that's why I mean on so many levels, because I totally agree with you. I mean, again, I think that um usually And now it kind of swings a little bit both ways because absolutely Marie and Jess are there to be, to literally support the leads Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. help them through their own character arcs. But they're not only there for that reason.
1: Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. They and don't,
2: I, they don't know that there's the uh, supporting characters. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's a great from way from their putting perspective. It. Yeah.
2: Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan are the uh, yeah are the extras. Or yeah. Supporting, uh, yeah.
0: That's yes. a great way of putting it. That's and a I, great way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't see that a lot. I think that um, a lot of supporting characters they aren't given again as much to do outside of being you know the sympathetic ear uh voice of reason whatever you want to call it yeah. um mm-hmm. to to the lead so i really appreciated that and i like both of you have said uh felt that they were just very fully realized characters and sonal you're totally right i mean it on, on paper you would think oh well that's terrible that you're dating a married man but it was it sure sure to- <laughs> totally but like the way that it is portrayed especially by carrie fisher i well i could you know still say like well that's not right you're not supposed to date somebody who's married but it she's so sympathetic because you see just kind of this like this this heart sickness in her that she knows she, it is. yeah yeah, she, yeah
2: she's not trying to defend it necessarily no and no she's aware like her character is aware of of this situation yeah yeah
0: and i know that to some degree it's played for laughs with the common refrain like he's never gonna leave her yeah but i do appreciate that and that is one thing that i always find really interesting because you know i think that um i don't know i i i can only really speak for like uh female relationships like female friendships but i i think that it's incredibly difficult to say something challenging sometimes to somebody that you really love as a friend because sometimes i think you refrain because you love them and you don't want to hurt them um but yeah it is it is the better choice to be honest with them and i did appreciate that even though it's a, a little bit of a runner as a joke but that Sally's like he's never gonna like like that they're really honest with each other
2: you think she invited mm-hmm. him to the wedding what do you think happened to that relationship when With she – the uh, married guy – When she yeah. married Jess? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd that, like to know more about this.
0: I mean, that's, that's actually one thing I really appreciate is that once she actually found a fulfilling relationship –
2: You never hear about that no, guy again. I no. love
0: that. I love no. that she knows that she's found the real thing. And yeah. there's no like hemming or hauling like, well – you know, I was with this guy for so long and maybe, you know, like she, she gets it. That's,
2: that's how you know that they were the, the supporting, because they would have gone into that kind of like depth if it was like a main character focus, Mm -hmm. but that would have gone like people would have thought we, no one has time for this. Mm -hmm. You found each other. (laughs) Let's move on.
0: Right. Right. Well, I mean, one, one thing I wanted to bring up that you had touched upon kind of very early into our conversation I mean we've kind of been talking about it all along but this idea of how men and women communicate with each other Mm -hmm. and I'm really curious so okay like you said this is 89 so we're about 32 years um, past when this film came out Mm -hmm. and I'm just curious do you feel like in that time like it this you're right on a lot of levels because like i feel like the way that they communicated with each other in this movie was like kind of groundbreaking because they both were being candid with each other in a way about about the the very you know their very friendship in a way that typically wasn't tackled i think i mean i don't have exhaustive knowledge of all films and tv shows that How came prior but like <laughs> i feel like this really kind of put it front and center for the first time but do you feel like We have moved past this kind of novelty of, you know, because you mentioned like you, you just, it was just a natural part of your life that you had a lot of male friends Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a big deal. Right. So do you feel like we as a society has have kind of moved past this like, oh, you're, you're really good friends with a guy. Like, that's such a big, like, do you feel like we've matured in a, in a certain regard as a society?
1: Hmm. It's interesting because like in terms of, you know, equality Mm -hmm. and uh, 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 male, female equality as far as, you know, women, men, boy, girl, Mm -hmm. and as Mm -hmm. just as far as uh, um, straight, gay, you know, everything. I just feel like we're all in this world of, we've been in this world uh, many of us, not everybody, I should say, of equality, <laughs> you know, wanting equality, striving for equality. And so I think that is a, um, there's a I, I like, like, I do feel like, yes, we've kind of matured, moved past. But I, but I also at the same time think that there is this, like, I get what he's saying in this movie of mm-hmm. this kind of primal desire of of men, you mm-hmm. know, if that that kind of exists and he does make that statement though in the five five years later in their second time meeting of like oh yeah no but it doesn't that it doesn't quantify when Mm -hmm. one of them is in a relationship Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um you know when from my experience it's just interesting because like all the guys I grew up with all are like my brothers and they're all married now and all their wives are basically like my sisters in a way, you know, like they're, mm-hmm. I just consider them sort of like my brother's wives. And, um, it is never something that, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I guess it's, yes, society has matured and different, but this topic is, I don't know this topic though. It's not necessarily a topic of, I feel like maturation. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's also, a just something that many people still kind of hold true of like mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's it's still a time where it's a little when guys and girls I'm even I'm just trying to think of like my current guy friends who are single
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I do feel like there is a little weirdness now, <laughs> like <laughs> the, you know, like this, it's, it's, and especially ones that I've met later, you know, later mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. It's that, yeah, like I do. I wonder, you know, um, it's and but I don't think it's necessarily true that like they can never be friends, but I. I'm not answer I don't know really how I think I don't really know the answer because I yeah. do think that even Meg Ryan because after they sleep together it changes th- it changes mm-hmm. things kind of for both of them. They only kind of explore how it has changed things for her. yeah I feel like it's changed things for him as well and he just doesn't want to admit it yet. but and I think that that's something that still happens. like I think it just feels very human as opposed mm-hmm. to of the times. it feels that's what's so special about him with this movie. It just feels very human and it doesn't feel like oh now she's getting attached because they sleep together and blah 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 I think she's also I think she has every right to feel the way she feels because he also like runs away the next yep. morning it's not even he literally mouth.
2: has one yep. foot sticking off the bed
0: yeah. and actually yeah. I know this is like a weird comparison but um Sonal have you seen reality bites
1: yes but I can't to be honest I can't Talk it's, about. It. I don't remember it as much. I don't I, really remember it too. Don't
0: well. <laughs> don't sweat it. Not an eighties movie. So. <laughs> we won't, we won't come down. Yeah. But but uh, it just reminded me of that. And like I mean, I'm not going to say cliche because I th- I totally agree with you. I think it's rooted in truthfulness about how men and women might respond to a very major shift in a relationship like sleeping together but uh basically the same thing happens Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke sleep together and he is out the door it's like
2: (laughs) I feel like that is not an uncommon right subject and I think when I when I'm looking at at when Harry met Sally from 1989 through the lens of 2021 it it feels like kind of simultaneously like this may have been one of the first times where they actually explored this topic in this way, mm-hmm. which is in many ways groundbreaking. And yet in 2021, it's incredibly limiting mm-hmm. by limiting this to like interaction between a straight man, and a straight woman.
1: Yes.
0: So, And you know, everybody's very white. Yeah. Like there's yeah. a lot.
2: That, yeah. yeah. This so, movie is,
1: that's the one thing. Yeah. Oh, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say now it's, you know, when you think about it, just in like, if, if you, tear down some of it to just how relationships change when you add that, that physical component to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's still a lot to take from it, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially with the scene that we were just talking about when, when they finally do uh, have sex and and how they change after that. I think that still has value even in 2021. And I think even, Mm -hmm. even just the fact that it is so limiting Mm -hmm. now it's important to to think about you know, at the time, it, it certainly wasn't something that people had seen as much of.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. just to just to uh, I don't know, I won't go down this rabbit hole with my husband sitting across the table from me, but I will say that I, too, understand, like, if you are single and you have a male friend who is single,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that there
0: is like an undertone. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to say, I
1: mean, I still have friends, but you know, it's just, and so I think the word maturation is not necessarily maybe the right, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of like, what is the, what is the actual thing of, you know, to address the theme? And it's, but I do want to say one thing that you mentioned about it being white, that Mm -hmm. like, yes, I feel Mm -hmm. like in, 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 in a lot of ways, from this movie in 1989 we have matured as a society yes and especially over this past year with uh that kind of representation because yeah you know but it's 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 weird because this cast is so great and you can't mm-hmm. really imagine it any other way but you know yes there are no people of color in this mm-hmm. entire movie
2: no, none and they live in new york i
1: think, I think maybe and, the flight attendant yes right uh, waitress waitress
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean
1: it's, it's oh the waitress yes 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 no. you're right it um oh, yeah
0: that was a great look she gave sally too like, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah so great and that's the thing it's like we are but and and you're in new york and exactly it's like, uh and you know this is like, you know, a show like Friends, for example, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where the cast is so superb, and you can't imagine it any, you can't imagine anybody else in any of those roles. But it's also like, you know, a group of friends, and nobody is uh, of color. And, and you're nobody. in New York. What a melting and-
0: pot. Yeah, Exactly
1: yeah so yes as far as that though you know in terms of addressing the word maturation and like from this movie it's maybe not necessarily within the theme of can men and women be friends but more in the theme of uh do people of color exist in new york <laughs> 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 and, um and yes the answer is yes like and i think it's that you know when i think of this movie and like you know i love rom-com is just mm-hmm. it's pretty much my favorite genre. And so when I think of writing a rom-com or, you know, doing rom-com, it just, I, that's something that I want to, I want to be a part of that. Like I want to be a part of that visibility and representation Mm -hmm. because i think now it's sort of like hey people of color fall in love too (laughs) it's like you know but you know but it's like to be said though that doesn't take away the beauty of this movie and the cast it's 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 tough for me to um to like be a be a woman of color and maybe i but i don't have like an issue with this movie in that Mm -hmm. way I don't. I just. It's just so good, and everyone is so good in it. Um, But I think it's sort of now... Yes, if this movie came out, though, now... Right. Then it would be a different thing. It's like we can forgive it because it was... And it was also true to Nora Ephron's life and true to Rob Reiner. You know, I think it's like this is based... Writers sort of write their stories. And I think the, the issue now is that more we need to see more stories from people of color absolutely but it doesn't take away that these stories don't exist as well
2: yeah i think it's i mean this comes up a lot with a lot of the movies that we talk about because in some 80s
0: movies are rife with yeah they haven't
2: in all cases aged particularly well when you look at them from certain perspectives but i think this movie does tell a story and it tells it really well and it's hard to fault it for what at the time would be perceived as nothing like people wouldn't have even really thought about it but Mm -hmm. what's important like you're right if this was made now there would very rightly be kind of an outcry like Mm -hmm. this is not really representative of of like what we want these movies Mm -hmm. to look like so Mm -hmm. uh yeah if look if there's a remake where you're harry that's, that's, were you a Harry yeah. Burns somehow? That <laughs> I mean, would be amazing.
0: I, I think it would be really interesting if somebody tried to tackle a roommate because I, I mean, I would be so curious to see, you know, in terms of like, yes, we, first of all, you know, it's both very white and then very straight and very binary.
2: Kind of, kind of like mm-hmm. privileged in the sense that, yeah. None of the characters really at any moment are ever concerned about things like money yes. or work. <laughs> yeah. Like the closest it gets is I gotta go to work, you gotta go to work. Yeah, when he's le when he's yeah. trying to get out
0: the door in the morning. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's really it. And I feel like there are a lot of elements of just life that that were taken out and that's probably because there was so much more of an emphasis just on the relationship between these two people. But that's certainly something that you would like to see if, you know, in in your remake, that's, that's, I'm just, uh, you know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh, go ahead. No, thank you. Thank you for that. (laughs)
0: deal noted i was gonna say that uh actually now that i'm thinking about it because wasn't harry like a political commentator or something consultant consultant. consultant, yeah i imagine that job keeps you pretty busy it would now like right right? i mean i feel like uh he has a lot of time on his hands (laughs) for for being somebody and i would feel very demanding job
2: were there right cell phone phone wasn't really a thing no then that's probably the big a lot of these movies the in some cases the movie wouldn't even happen with the cell phone in this movie he would constantly be pulled away for a political consultant phone call that's
0: that's why for for better and for worse this movie you know Nowadays, it would be a movie with like, should I text him? Should I not text him? How yeah. long should I wait till I text him? Just send an People, emoji. It'll be fine. Yeah. Do I send a single <laughs> emoji? Um, and, you know, even just the scenes where they're like watching Casablanca together, you oh. know, or things like that. like That's a Zoom I,
2: FaceTime it, thing for sure.
0: It it could yeah. be. It yeah. could be. But, I mean, I am rarely on my phone for phone calls anymore.
1: Yeah. And that is, so I feel like I'm kind of like, and I feel, I feel kind of similar to you maybe, but that like, I'm an analog girl living in this digital world. Like I'm really trying to embrace technology. You know, we're in this weird generation. Like, you know, it's like we weren't, we didn't grow up with phones like growing out of our hands. Exactly. And, um, Whereas a lot, whereas a lot of young people, like my niece, who's nine, you know, knows how to edit and like knows how to shoot, you know, like a, she wow. can make a little short film if she wanted in two <laughs> seconds. Whereas I would be like, uh, I don't know how to set the angle and I don't yeah. know how to do this. <laughs> and, you know, and so I think that's one of the reasons I love this movie so much is because there are no cell phones and we don't mm-hmm. have to, we don't have to deal. I mean, it's like the. You know, of course, there are pros and cons to technology. Of you know, and sure. we're right now on technology. We're able to have this conversation, so I do. You know, it is a gift, and I'm grateful for for it in many ways. But you know, when you watch these movies where it's just so much, um, where people are looking up as opposed to down. Yes. you know, and they're yeah. they're you're connecting with each other as opposed to their phones. And I guess I'm just somebody who. Um, you know, I put my phone in my drawer halfway, half of the time, you know, half mm-hmm. half of the day because mm-hmm. I I want to be, I just strive to be more present in mm-hmm. my life, whether even I'm alone or with people, like it's just being more present. And um. so it's just, yeah, I just appreciate that aspect of this movie because it's just not there. The phones didn't exist. But yet it's still, funny enough, feels so modern. Like there are lots of par- parts of it just because the themes have, you know... Um, can kind of transcend time. Mm-hmm. Like it does, there's lots of it that feels modern, but I oh, wish absolutely. that we were, I wish we were living in a world still where you have to, you know, um, when you, you call somebody and leave messages on their answering machine. And you yeah. that's so beautiful when he's doing that. Whereas now it's like, what, you just keep texting and, um, yeah. and uh, yeah. So at least for me, when I even think about in my own writing, sometimes I, try to you know I I just wish I I feel like it's such a the care like the phone is a character in the movie and I hate that like I wish that it didn't it wasn't it didn't have to be like that because mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, I'm more traditional in that sense. Mm-hmm. I just want to like, I want people, you know, I want that run to the New Year's party rather yeah. than now it would be calling, you know, or yep. calling from your cell phone and saying, you know, are you still there? Can I need to see, you know, it just takes away that urgency, and that, that um, the passion and that's what we live for as humans. I feel like or I do at least <laughs> no, I totally um, agree.
0: I mean, you said something that I clocked where you're like, you know, they're they're connecting with each other instead of their phones. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so interesting because that is one thing that about like, okay, so with this movie, I don't think the characters think that this is the way that they're interacting because they don't know anything different, but they're basically forced to if if there's going to be a friendship if there's going to be a relationship they by and large have to interact in person with each other there's like not mm-hmm. a lot of other means yeah they have right. their their landlines uh which were they even called them landlines then they were, they were, called were just called they were just called phones yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were
2: <laughs> um, i just called my landline you mean your phone weirdo they were,
0: like what's a landline um so i i really like kind of keyed in on that because again you know i'm thinking like i'm thinking especially about the scene where sally finds out that joe is getting married i will say that i was a that that is the one uh conceit that i because like why why would you call your ex-girlfriend unless you're just a raging asshole (laughs) and be like hey guess what i'm getting married that guy's a dick i mean yeah, yeah. he was so like there's i no guess no reason i guess there's a plausibility there just but so you
2: just so you know just so you
0: know i'm getting married i know yeah. i told you i was never going to get married but now i am you should have um, called,
2: like i'm getting married and i'm gonna have kids yeah. <laughs> later
0: <laughs> but you know i'm thinking about how she would have found out about that on 2020 in 2021 and she would have been scrolling facebook and would have right. seen like an engagement
2: post <laughs> or something like that. I mean, maybe right. maybe Instagram maybe something. Instagram, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, depending on the age or whatever So
0: I just think that um, I I totally agree with you, Sonal. I mean just the the visceralness, the, the the tangibility of the way that they interact and and struggle and have conflict with each other just feels much more meaningful. Mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. the way that I think it probably would be portrayed today, because I mean, I will ha- I will say that like when we watch shows nowadays or, or movies for that matter, and somebody just shows up at somebody's door, I'm like, come on, who does that anymore? Like, right? You know? Yeah. It, you just can't. You can't. Uh, as much as I think I understand why the creators are using that tactic to try to invoke that same kind of visceral interaction. That just doesn't happen anymore. No, it
1: doesn't. And that's what, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like that, that catalyst of finding out that he's married and that, (laughs) yeah, why would he call her, especially because they, (laughs) they clearly haven't talked this whole time. And so it's not like they've remained friends or anything like that. It is, it is odd that he would call her. Um, But then we need that. We do need that. Exactly. That that to get to the next level in their relationship. But. um,
2: We get the in-person meeting with, with uh, Harry and his ex. And maybe it would have yes. been too much to have two, two of right. these coinci- There's There are a lot of coincidental meetings in this movie. <laughs> right. So maybe that that would have been the one too many. I don't know. That's,
0: a good, that's actually a very, very fair point. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and she also needed to be at home and be in the thick of it. In, exactly. like Just having found out. And especially, which is so great, is that because she is... You know, she's this kind of strong, confident woman. After he breaks up with her, she's like, "I'm fine, I'm mm-hmm. fine," and you really feel like she's fine, you mm-hmm. know. But then she's just buried, repressed it so much that it comes out when she finds out. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think <laughs> if, any of my ex, if any of my exes have called me to tell me what they're gonna yeah, do,
0: exactly. No, Who does not that? A one. No one it's has. Like you have you to know, you wrote like, is it masochist?
2: Sadist. Yeah. Sadist. Yeah. Sadist. yeah. Sadist. yeah just yeah, like right.
0: cause pain for somebody in that way. The masochist <laughs> would be
2: the person with the cell phone that sees the name show up and like, yeah, I'm going to answer this.
0: That okay. There you go. Well, right. then that maybe uh, that's her because well, yeah. she she wouldn't have known. Was there even caller ID? I don't. Know? Know? I don't <gasps> oh gosh,
1: that's so true. Yeah, we would call, answer so. the phone and not know not who know. <laughs> Hello, God, who is this? That's crazy. <laughs> that is so crazy. Can you believe
0: we lived in that time? We, I mean, thunder. it's so wild. There and,
2: were definitely times when the phone and I'm like, I just don't feel like whoever it could be. <laughs> no, no.
0: And the thing is that is that, that was acceptable. You know, right. I mean, that's, uh, that, that is something that's interesting to me, you know, again, on that last viewing. Um, I mean, I get it because they were, they very much cared for each other. I mean, pre sleeping together, obviously they had become very close friends. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me at all that as soon as she called him and said, like, Joe's getting married, he's like, I'm coming right over. Yeah. But yeah. I also feel like that is, again, a little bit something of its time because, like, nowadays, you know, you'd set your phone to do not disturb.
2: (laughs) But she would have been set up as his favorite, one of his favorites. It would have have rung through. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's
1: true. That's true.
0: I mean, there's just so many more ways for people to not interact with each other nowadays because of technology.
2: The one scene that I think would have actually been more realistic for me, but also slightly different. The scene after Harry and Sally both call Jess and Marie and they just happen to have like their own landline phone on either side of the I doubt bed. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, I, I love that scene. But also if they each just had a cell phone on either side, mm-hmm. they just would have been like furiously texting and then talking to each other.
1: Yeah, that's true too. Right. Think, yeah. It would have been texting. Yes. Yeah. You're
0: so, you're I think stup- that still could have worked. I did mm. I did clock that too. I was like, oh, that's so interesting that Jess and Marie have separate phone numbers. Separate like look at these fancy people. Yeah, these very fa- Again, very fancy. Um apparently, again. Brain oh, assault. right.
1: Oh, I didn't yeah. even think about that. Yes, Isn't I you're that so right. Funny? Like that they have different <gasps> Yeah Wow. See, but <laughs> what's so great about this movie is that you for like having I mean, hello when Harry Met Sally is one of the classic movies of all time and they've gotten they were able to get away with these kinds of things and as far as when we're digging deep now and and talking about these things that it's like yeah but they got away with it and it's just I feel like then in terms of my own creating and of mm-hmm. people's creations it's just like we should know that we can like, take, take those kinds of risks it's okay and mm-hmm. that you can as long as they're justified that's the most important thing and yeah. it, you know um I feel like you were about to say something. I may have cut you off. Oh, not at all. Actually, I'm curious. Uh no, you gave me a
0: second to ask a follow-up question which I think would be interesting. So, in your uh, your career, what can you can you clock, can you remember what was the like the the most number of takes you ever did for a scene?
1: On like, actual like actually on set or in an like do when I'm doing an audition? I guess it could be either. This is a
0: very leading question. I there's a reason why I'm asking. Yeah.
1: So it's interesting because on I heard this something the other day. Somebody said like perfectionism takes away humanity, Mm. something like that. Or it's that you know on set, I feel like there's there's different types of directors. Like some directors will want you to you know will do a take over and over and over again until you've kind of stripped away the energy of and mm. like that kind of that excess energy that we all have as artists that it strips away until it's raw. And then you get that real, that real um, visceral rawness. And then the opposite is that you do the t- you take the first take, because that's what the most, mm-hmm. it's sort of the most spontaneous. It, it feels the most real and kind of imperfect and messy. And so on set, Typically, for me, the thing with the things that I've done on it, I would say I'm, it's usually two, three takes max. Okay. And you just have to kind of trust that if the director says we're moving on, then that they got it. As an actor, that's sort of in that world of collaboration and being there. I feel that's probably the most is maybe four takes. but um, But, you know, we're also talking about this is per setup. So mm-hmm. per close up per the wide maybe you do two takes let's say we do um a two shot maybe two three takes and then a close-up maybe more three four takes for that now when I'm doing auditions and putting things on tape it Mm -hmm. is interesting back in the day I would do it you know I would kind of like do it over and over until I feel like I got it and now that we're in this world of self taping even more. Mm-hmm. I usually just try, I honestly, usually try to do three or four takes max because it, you know, as an as we're, I wanna, I don't wanna strive for that per- perfection. Like, and I just, I'm kind of at that point where I, I think I trust myself more in the sense that, and I, I trust the, like, the work that I've already done. And so then, like, when the, when whoever is casting it's watching it, my hope is that, you know, they'll see, like, is this, do, do I have the essence or not? And that's it. And then it's like, I already, I feel like I already, uh, like each take, like I might notice, oh, I'll watch my tapes back and I, you know. So I also, <laughs> I, I, I'll. Well, One thing I was going to say is that I coach actors too. I, I coach yeah. John yeah. Rosenfeld Studios. And so one thing I always, and I tell my uh, actors that I coach often is that, I watch you and I just, I kind of am always asking myself, do I believe it? Do I believe what you're saying? And am I interested Mm -hmm. as a general kind of general questions? And I, and then of course, like, are they honoring the character? Are they honoring the given circumstances? Do they have a strong moment before and a moment after those kinds of things for sure? I feel. um, So that's sort of what I do though. When I watch my tapes back is that, do I believe it or do I, and am I interested? And, um, and uh yeah, but then if it's like yes, if the answer is yes for three takes in a row, but I do one thing and one take and another thing and another take, I feel like at that point it can't really matter. You know, you can't yeah. you gotta let go of just gotta let it go and hope and not focus on the result and send it out and move on with your life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I really love listening to you talk about kind of your process. Yeah. It's so interesting. The reason why I was asking is because now I know that part of this was it had to have been just um, timing for like timing purposes. But that phone scene
2: oh. between
0: the four of them. Yeah. Apparently they had to do 60 takes.
2: Holy cow. Six zero.
1: Wow.
2: That was a complex. To nail that. There was a lot going on. in Yeah. That. The there is a
1: lot going on. and also, and you know, I, I feel like I notice when there are more people in a scene, mm-hmm. there is that you do you you gotta it's so much more challenging to make sure everyone is on the same. Wavelength Mm -hmm. and uh, the timing, the timing is so important and listening and all of that. And to get everybody on the same page then in and married then to the, uh, to the DP and to the director and to the sound and to, you know, and make sure nobody's really talking over anyone else. And all of that, I think, I'm not surprised that that took 60 takes. It's like a dance.
0: um, Yeah, it is. a coordinated dance. Mm-hmm. hmm Which I just I was thinking, like, man... I mean, I'm sure some of those takes is, like, maybe somebody blew the very first line, or, you know, so, like, maybe some of them, it's not like they got to almost the end. <laughs> 60 <full laughs> yeah, 60 full takes. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that happened. Um, but I was just like, wow, I I feel like you have to really dig deep <laughs> when you're mm-hmm. on, like, take 57. It's one. Yeah. 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 No. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, um... Oh, Sonal, this was just <laughs> so, so much fun talking to you about this.
1: Oh, uh, likewise. It's really, it, this is such an honor and a treat for me. I love, uh, I, I it's interesting because I didn't really watch the movie from an actor's perspective, but I think I do naturally watch mm-hmm. things from yeah, an actor's perspective. sure. And from a storytelling perspective. So it's really interesting to kind of, look at the movie broken down in this way. And uh, it's so much fun because it's literally one of my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of my favorite genres of all time, you know? I just love, I love that world and uh, I love love. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and we
0: love you. You are amazing. I love you. <laughs> it, it was really just such our pleasure to have you on the show. And again, it felt like... It, it felt like an honor for us because, again, it is fascinating to listen to somebody kind of talk through just this this particular. I mean, all kinds of art form, but I, I just love listening to actors talk about like what they're thinking yeah. it and was how great they to prepare. Get,
2: like your perspective on a mm-hmm. lot of this stuff, and this is coming from someone who, by far, has the most layperson's <laughs> knowledge. Of any of this stuff. So I <laughs> I really enjoyed like hearing more about like your process right? and how, yeah, that was great.
0: It was really, really great. And on that note, um, I would love, and Derek would love, if you would want to share with our listeners, like what projects you might have going on at this time.
1: Sure. I, you know, live in the pre-post-pandemic <laughs> life. I am... Um, You know, I'm an actor through and through. I Mm -hmm. uh, I I I used to not, I used to kind of hide that. I think more, but it's who I am, and Mm -hmm. I and I would even venture to say a a storyteller, Mm -hmm. and I I love stories. I think that they have the power to to transform lives, and I really strongly believe in that representation matters, Mm -hmm. and uh, that people of color need to start. Uh, and continue to be seen and heard and be made more visible. Um, so that being said, I'm I'm currently working on a bunch of my own projects. Like I I just finished writing a pilot, and I am uh, I coach actors at John Rosenfeld Studios. I Voice and sing on Mirror Royal Detective, and um, doing. I've done some voice work on a couple other shows too, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say what they are yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah, I have a, a development deal with uh, my friends Parvesh China and Sheila Srinivas with Disney, and um, uh, and then I work. You know, I I continue to work on my own stuff all Mm -hmm. the time and then I I still I've never I'm a learner and I feel like I'll be learning for life and always just trying to um get better and and Mm -hmm. and grow as an actor and so I I do that I read scripts and sides pretty Mm -hmm. much every day and I uh yeah, so that that's sort of, and I just trans- create content. I and I'm, I'm and I'm working right now. I'm starting something called the Shakti Life, which is yes. basically meant to make you yours, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I just feel like we're living in a time when we need to, uh, especially women, mm-hmm. need to um, set step more step into their power and mm-hmm. be willing to risk and, uh, be uncomfortable for the greater good because we need, we need, uh, we need everyone's love. We need everyone's, uh, unification to, if there's one thing, you know, that came out of quarantine is that, uh, uh, the, that we all love being together, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we love, and we're stronger mm-hmm. together, you yep. know, uh, and so, yeah, so these are the things that I'm working on and, um, and this was such a pleasure and honor for me to, to chat with you both. Oh, my goodness. I mean, and Derek I'm really and I, grateful.
0: we joke a lot about this being like a six-hour podcast. But at the risk of being redundant, like, it's just so lovely to listen to you talk about your this work. was really and, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It really was. <laughs> so, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And just the best of luck. So much success, I hope, comes your way in the future.
1: Thank you. Vice versa. Thank you so much. <laughs> Isn't she the best?
2: She really is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Sonal. you, much.
0: Thank you for being with us. We had the best time with you. All right, Derek. I'm actually very curious about the answer to this question. Yeah? Would you watch this film again? I mean,
2: probably not. <laughs> Derek. If, it, if it's on... Uh, what I, it depends on where it's on. If I was just like flipping through, uh, channels and I saw it, I might, I might watch it depending on where it's at. There's Mm -hmm. some, there are a lot of like laugh out loud Mm -hmm. moments in Mm -hmm. it. So, uh, it's possible, but am I going to seek it out to watch it? (laughs) I am not. You're not going to seek it. You're not going to seek it out. Okay. I'm not. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: But I do know. Yeah. When you talk about laugh out loud moments, I know that you guffawed when Jess and Marie really quickly ditch Harry and Sally in the cab. Well,
2: okay. So I'm not gonna disclose any names, but Oh. There there <laughs> I I have experienced something not exactly like that, but there was a moment where I was with friends and mm-hmm. we were out and two people had met for the first time and there was a should I do this, should I do that? And there was a strong recommendation. No, just uh just be cool. Mm-hmm. And then they take off in a cab
0: (laughs) okay which led to the guffaw which that i think is a huge compliment to the film
2: because that really happened because that really happened yeah Yeah. so
0: there you go uh i mean for me so if i'm i mean i don't i can't even remember the last time i was just like i have absolutely nothing to do so i'm just gonna sit and watch a movie but it's usually you know especially whatever during the day maybe a film is on in the background while we're doing yeah yeah um so this is definitely a movie where if i came across it i would just leave it on yeah and continue to watch it until its completion but i'd probably be doing something else because this this is also okay so the big difference between you and me is that you're i'm really familiar with this film like i've seen it a lot that's, and that's so a good point. it's yeah. kind of gotten to a place with me where like, yeah, it's like back a background movie. Yeah. Whereas with you, I feel like if you had it on, you'd be like watching it again.
2: That's a that's a good point. And I, I probably would be because yeah. it's not as familiar to me. Yeah. yeah. So
0: in any case, still a great movie. So <laughs> listener call to action. Now you had a couple, so I might just defer to you.
2: I've already forgotten them. Oh,
0: come on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean I'm not even you, joking. You know I mean? Remember.
0: Oh man. They weren't I mean, really
2: specific to the uh to the movie, <laughs> I don't think. I don't know.
0: It was really baking on you, remembering those. Uh I mean, I guess I would say that my call to action, I, I kind of usually pull from just whatever the subject matter is of the film. So I'm just curious about where people stand on the whole. You know, oh. And, oh, and another thing that I was actually, you know, I meant to bring up with Sonal. Oh, wait, what? Is, yeah, I know. Sorry, I'm jumping around. But is, uh, you know, like not too long ago, what was it, late 90s when that huge book came out, Men Are From Mars, Women oh. Are For Venus. Yeah. I feel like that kind of continues this train of thought. It's,
2: yeah, it's similar. So yeah. There's a parallel going on there.
0: Exactly. Um, I meant to bring that up with her, but uh, yeah, so I mean, that's more, I think... That's more recent than the film. Like I said, I think that was 90s. Um, in any case, yeah, I'm just curious what people think. Like, do you do you have a lot of friends who are of, you know, the opposite sex or whatever? You know, just somebody who, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just curious what people think about that kind of uh, relationship.
2: I think that's a solid call to action. You're
0: not going to offer one up of your own, are you? No. I've
2: I've offered up a couple already, and uh, (laughs) listeners are welcome to return to that portion of the podcast. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. All right. So if you do want to get in touch with us, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and it's the same handle for all three. It is at 80smontagepod, and 80s is 80s. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. sneak peek, coming mm. up in two weeks.
2: Is it another Rob Reiner film?
0: <laughs> no, it's not another Rob it's Reiner. It's not? I don't, no, 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 no. It's actually a movie that I'm surprised we, well, I mean, okay, we're halfway through our second season. Mm-hmm. There's lots of movies from the 80s, but this is one that like, I'm just really glad that we're finally getting to it because it's a great film and it's very, very indicative of the 80s. Really? Okay. And, and one of its biggest stars
2: oh and you have no idea what i'm talking i'm waiting for more clues
0: (laughs) um okay would a clue is this what
2: who's a star
0: no i'm not that's good that would give it away i'm not giving you that clue okay yeah because it would obviously give it away Hmm. oh i'll give you a clue that maybe you would know detroit
2: oh it's robocop no dang
0: Think think of a different Detroit connection. We are getting a RoboCop soon. But yeah. Think of a different Detroit connection.
2: I, it's not Dr. Detroit. That was seventies. Like, hey, I can not even think that was okay. 80s. So
0: like maybe I have to add a couple more words. Detroit to L.A.
2: Detroit, <laughs> Detroit to L.A. Oh my God. This this is not a
0: Derek Dinky, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Man,
2: <laughs> I feel like I just fell for a banana in the tailpipe.
0: Well, that's what I was also... That would have that been yeah. a better clue?
2: No. Well, that would have been given it away. That would have been given it away. If you if you had said Eddie Murphy, that would have... Uh, if you had said John, yeah, Judge Reinhold, that'd be a...
0: I was thinking of it, but would you have said Beverly Hills Cop, or would you have said Fast Times?
2: I would have thought of Fast Times, but then I would have thought, maybe that's just what she wants me to say. <laughs> I'm tricking you. Beverly Hills Cop. Coming up next.
0: Coming up in two weeks. So thank you so much for hanging with us. And we will see you next time.